Welcome to Sunny in Seattle with your host, Sunny Joy. And coming up on today's show, Sunny welcomes PR consultant turned advocate for gifted intuitives, Marianne Borher. And she has just released a fantastic new book called The Gift Within Us. So tune in as we cover everything from science behind intuition, the amazing lives of some of the 33 intuitives featured in the book, easy steps to accessing your own inner voice, and even the story of Mary's first divinely guided PR campaign. And now I welcome your host for the day, Sunny Joy. And good morning, everyone. Welcome to Sunny in Seattle. I'm your host, Sunny Joy McMillan, and we're here every Friday from 9 to 10 a.m. on Alternative Talk 1150 AM KKNW in Seattle, as well as 103.3 KPCA in Petaluma, bringing you amazing guests and resources that will help you create a life filled with joy, peace, freedom, and purpose. It is radio that positively shines. And if you can't catch the show live, you can always access the show archives. You can find those at 1150kknw.com. Or you can also find the show on iTunes and Podcast One if those are your preferred listening options. Uh, find out more about me through my website, which is Golden Oversoul. That's goldenoversoul.com. Um, and let's see, Benny, how are things up in Seattle? Uh, doing pretty good up here, just hanging out, doing our thing. Uh, not much more to report. Uh, summer is going to be here soon, I hope, really. It'd be nice. <laughs> it hasn't hit yet in Seattle? <laughs> I mean, it's such a tease from us weather people. <laughs> I know. I yeah, know. It I happens. remember that. Yeah. But yeah. we're doing all right. We're doing our thing. Well, glad to hear it, Benny. Good yeah. to always connect with you virtually. So um, I'm really excited about our guest today, uh, who has been on, I believe, Conscious Talk and the Dr. Pat Show. And so I was really excited to hear about her work and um, share her with the Sunny in Seattle audience. Um, her name is Mary Ann Borer, and she is a PR professional who has represented the likes of Danielle Steele and Johnson & Johnson and some other very big name companies. Um, but she's also a communication specialist and an intuition advocate. That was a new term for me, which I really uh, thought, oh, I like that. So she works also as an intuition advocate who has interviewed some of the most gifted intuitives in the world. She has also interviewed top scientists, psi researchers, academics, and even a leading Catholic archbishop regarding the topic of intuition. She shares her findings in The Gift Within Us, which is the book we'll be discussing here today. Um, and the thrust of that book is that each and every one of us, regardless of religious affiliation or whether they identify as religious at all, has access to this amazing and life-changing gift simply by listening to our own inner voice. Again, the book is called The Gift Within Us. And to find out more, you can visit maryannborer.com. And that's spelled M-A-R-Y. A-N-N. Last name is B-O-H-R-E-R. -E so MarianneBorer.com. Uh, Marianne, welcome to the show. So, uh, Sunny, I apologize real fast. Yeah. I accidentally muted Marianne, and she needs to unmute herself, and I can't do it oh, from dear. my side of things, so I apologize. <laughs> there I she goes. Muted. Thank I'm you. Here. She's back. That oh, was my awesome. fault, ladies. I totally apologize. <laughs> Okay, man, this, this is what I like about live radio. It keeps you on your toes. And right. Benny, man, you are right. always like, if people knew sometimes what was going on behind the scenes when we lose a guest or can't find someone or there are tech problems and somehow Benny always yeah. manages to resolve it very gracefully. Oh, well, thank you much. very much. Yes. <laughs> I, it might be smooth on top of the water, but underneath, <laughs> I'm, I'm yeah. flapping so fast. <laughs> oh, Thanks, anyway, Marianne. Well, Appreciate it. Yeah. 
And oh. welcome, Marianne. Well, thank you, Sunny. It's a joy to be here. Now, can you hear me? Absolutely, okay. loud and clear. Wonderful. By the way, I have to tell you, your name has such great energy. Were you born Sunny Joy McMillan? Yeah, that is my given name. I get that question a lot. And then the next question is usually, oh, your parents must have been fun-loving hippies. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> quite the opposite. <laughs> so, but I do feel like, um, yeah, I have my my name. I used to want to be called Kimberly when I was little, but I'm actually very glad that I have the name that I have now. And of course, when I left law, it was not the best name for an attorney, but it works really well in the life coaching community. <laughs> I like the yeah, Kimberly. I'm going to start using that, Sonny. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anywho, yes. Yeah, so to long, long story long to answer your question, Marianne, that is my given name. Okay. Well, I like it better than Kimberly too. <laughs> no offense to Kimberly names, but I, uh, my, I feel like Sunny Joy fits me now more than probably Kimberly would have. So. Right. In any event, yeah. So I have to ask you this. I want to dive into everything in the book because there's so much to cover here, but. I have to ask, how did you come to represent Danielle Steele? Like, I used to read her novels as a teenager. Like, that was my favorite besides Dean Koontz, which is really strange. But anyway. <laughs> well, well, I was working. I worked in New York City as a PR person at top PR firms for about 14, 15 years. And at one of the PR firms, I was at Rubenstein Associates. Uh, Danielle was a client. So they gave me her account. I had I worked with her for five years. Uh, quite frankly, Danielle Steele doesn't need PR. So <laughs> Wondering, I mean, and basically I would meet every week with my colleague, my client at Dell Publishing, which was her publishing, is her publishing house. And, and we would have like a drink and talk about PR. That was about it. So uh, she was an amazing person. At the time, she would uh, write her books in the middle of the night. She'd write two a year, just like a machine. Now, every time I walk into a Costco, I see a new book by her. So I'm wondering if she has a team like James Patterson does, you know, that kind of fleshes them out. But no, she was a very hardworking, very um, amazing lady, very lovely person. And uh, Danielle Traina is her actual name. Um, so, but she was lovely. But yeah, I didn't have a lot of work to do because everyone knows Danielle. Of course. Yeah, that was funny. I had to ask about that. And the other thing that I was fascinated by that really ties into your career in PR um, that catalyzed this book and the, all of the interviews you've done with the 33 intuitives listed here in the book, which I know 33 is a special number. Um, so we'll talk about that as well. But can you tell us a little bit about that Millennium Clock project that really kicked things off for you? Yes, as I said, I was working um, at this PR firm in New York in the mid to late 90s, uh, Rubenstein Associates. And there was a client, uh, the Reese organization, they owned all of the franchise restaurants like TGI Fridays, et cetera, in Manhattan. So they had a lot of restaurants. For some unknown reason, Dennis Reese, my client, was erecting a digital clock in Midtown Manhattan at 34th Street and 8th Avenue giant clock counting down the days and seconds into the year 2000. This was in 1997, and he wanted me to get national press for this clock. Now, there were restaurant logos around the periphery of the clock, but I didn't understand from a marketing perspective, why is he doing this? But <laughs> I still had my marching orders, get national press for the clock. So I thought, how am I going to do this? And I realized that I should find very highly gifted psychics and mediums, not be lazy and run down the street and get storefront psychics that I, I didn't know were gifted, um, and do a press conference that I, I chose a thousand days before the year 2000. It was early April, 1997. I found 24 highly gifted people, 
And I brought them to a TGI Fridays and sat them speed dating style at different tables around the restaurant. And 75 journalists showed up to this event, which is an outstanding, astounding number, including the Wall Street Journal, CBS News, uh, as well as, of course, Entertainment Tonight, Inside Edition, and those types. And they each had three minutes with each gifted person and could ask them questions, either celebrity questions, world event, or personal questions. And so they would go around and ask questions. And the reason I mention this is three reasons. Yes, it did generate enormous national and even global press. Uh, but the Wall Street Journal reporter came up to me afterwards, and he was visibly shaken. In fact, he was shaking. And he, he said to me, Marianne, I'm, I'm, I really confess I came here to make fun of these people. Um, but he said they were so accurate, I'm still in shock. And the other reason I mention it is I ended up becoming close friends and still am with many of the gifted people. So over the years, as, as a communicator, I, and they're communicators, but in a different way, I really became irritated at how they were portrayed by the media and, mm -hmm. and perceived by the public. Oh, they've got to be fakes or charlatans. They're soothsayers. They're hanging out their shingle just to make money. It's all, it's all made up. And when in truth, um, in reality, many of them as children struggled with their gift. Some were confused by it. Some were scared by it. Some thought everybody could see grandpa in the corner like they could. Um, and many were bullied as children, which is something many people don't know. Now, some were accepted by their family members. Maybe it ran in the family. And some didn't come to it till later in life in their 40s, like Suzanne Giesman, who we were talking about before. So their stories run the gamut. And I started writing their stories uh, for a book, I suppose. I wasn't sure. These are not little two-paragraph things. They're like seven to nine pages. And I interview them, and I... I ask about how they first noticed they had this gift, how it was growing up, when they first started actually doing it as a living. Some people were closeted for years until, you know, they were real estate agents, they didn't tell anybody. Uh, they were afraid or ashamed that people would think differently about them, right? I have mm -hmm. one gentleman in my book, Eddie Connor, who grew up in the South, and Eddie's just a lovable guy, but he's gay and he would regularly be beaten up for being gay. But when he came out as a psychic, he told me it was a thousand times worse. Yeah, I remember that reading that. And I thought, wow, that that puts it in a whole new frame of reference for me. Yeah, they it wasn't a walk in the park for a lot, a lot of the people um, because the perception is so negative, and and now it's changed. It's been twenty years plus since then. But there's still this weird negative stereotype that this is all fake and silly. Like, even intuition, which I cover in the book, oh, it's women's intuition or it's downplayed as something that's important, when in fact it's one of the most important forms of communication we have. Um, and that's what the book is kind of about, is breaking that stereotype so more people are open to kind of listening to their own inner voice. Absolutely. And I have to say, we were talking about this before we went on air, but what makes your book unusual and why I um, really particularly like it is because of the way you structured the book. And you begin with interviews with, I believe, three different scientists, um, Dean Radin, Russell Targ, and oh, uh, is it Gary Schwartz? Yes. Um, yeah. And, and these are scientists. I've, I've interviewed Dean. I am going, Russell Targ and Gary Schwartz are on my list to invite. But these are scientists and researchers who are looking into psi or paranormal um, phenomena. And they, I thought that was just a beautiful way to start the book. And then you also run through kind of a history of intuitives um, throughout the human evolution 
literary timeline. And then as well as um, you, of course, include the 33 stories, one of which you just mentioned. And then um, I have to like a little little um, what is a sneak peek. You include, and I did not expect this, and I'm curious why you structured the book this way, but your own, you had three very powerful mystical experiences um, from the time you were little all the way into adulthood that you included here. And I was like, whoa, I didn't know Marianne was going to go there with her own life. <laughs> so tell, do you mind saying why you structured the book the way that you did? Well, it started off being stories about my friends, um, but I did not want to write a psychic directory. Quite frankly, I had 18 stories written and when I got my agent and she said, I, you have to write more. I can't stop reading these stories. So she, somebody said, do 50. And I said, I'm not doing 50 stories. That sounds like a psychic directory. I'm not exploiting these wonderful people. So I came on the number 33 because it is a, a very spiritual master number. But in addition to that, I felt that it was really important to interview these, I call today's brave paranormal explorers, because Dean Radin and Gary and, and Russell all put their scientific life on the line, as it were, to, to risk studying these things when in the sci scientific community, it's a taboo. Right. I mean, the scientists all put it down privately. They come up to these gentlemen at, the, at, at a conference, whatever, and say, hey, I had my own experience, et cetera, et cetera. So that's kind of coming out of being a taboo, but... Um, that's one thing. The the way people with these gifts have been treated throughout history fascinates me because um, in the days of the kings, they were revered because they could help lead the way. Shamans in the in the Native American community were revered. There are other times in history where these people were amazingly persecuted and it's run the gamut. So I thought that that perspective was good. Regarding my own experience, I mean, I talk about one chapter where I remember my memory of heaven before I was born, where I distinctly remember um, being in, in heaven, getting ready to come here. And, and it's, it's a short chapter, but it's very detailed. I thought it was a dream as a child, but it persisted. And now I understand there's actually a term for this kind of precognition, pre before you come to earth. Mm -hmm. It felt like I was getting ready for the first day of school. I was nervous, but very, very excited. So um, I could tell more in depth about that later if you want. The other to our basically, I, as a PR person, um, I was in New York City and I was at Hill and Knowlton, a really top PR firm. And I was basically promoting Doritos. I mean, potato chips and Quaker's <laughs> oats. And my soul was hungry. It wasn't enough for me. So I started to do free PR. We were allowed to do pro bono PR for issues. And I, I chose domestic violence and child abuse. And I won't go into the long story, but I did this for free for a couple of months for a a, the only 800 number for battered women in the country at the time called uh, this it was um i forget what they called it 333 safe but anyway after two months of doing this and getting all sorts of press for this hotline and the woman who ran it was a nonprofit in the midwest um i get a call from johnson and johnson the marketing director and he said did you not know that this is 100 percent funded by johnson and johnson as part of a cause marketing program um if you buy stay free uh, pads or OB tampons get it feminine protection. Mm. A portion goes to fund this nonprofit hotline. And we've been using Lindsay Wagner, the bionic woman, as our spokesperson. And we pay a, another giant PR firm a lot of money uh, for the last two years to promote it. He said, You've gotten more press in the last two months than that firm's gotten in two years. <laughs> so, yeah. And he said, I want to I want to meet with you next week. And I said, Well, I can't. I'm flying down to Plano, Texas next week because that's where Frito-Lay was based. He said, I'm flying down to Plano, Texas next week. 
And I said, what day? And he said, Wednesday. And I said, we are on the same flight, which is, I couldn't make that up. So we sat together and in the two and a half hour flight down, Larry, his name was Larry Lux. He said, Marianne, I'm going to fire that PR firm. I need you to write me a formal PR proposal and then I'm going to hire you. So that happened. My income, my, it was four times. I made four times more money than I was making in that job, which was not why I was doing PR for the, the battered women. And for the next couple of years, I'm doing this amazing PR. I'm Every magazine, Time Magazine did a cover story about domestic violence. I mean, Brides Magazine wrote about it. All of the magazines and newspapers wrote. So it was very professionally and spiritually gratifying. But unfortunately, Larry, my client, called me and said, my wife has multiple sclerosis. I'm leaving J&J. We're moving to the Midwest to be close to her family. And so suddenly he was replaced by a lady who called me and said, I'm cutting funding for the hotline. I feel that um, domestic violence and child abuse are ugly topics that J&J should not be involved in. Mm. So I um, did. I said, okay. And then I get a call from Family Circle magazine. They said, we're about to run the story, Marianne, that you pitched about the toll-free hotline and battered women, but we discovered there's no hotline right now. Can we put your home office number in for the battered women to call? And I'm telling you, Sonny, when I took on this hotline, it was getting 2,000 calls a month from all over the country. It was up to 12 to 14,000 calls a month now because of the PR. Mm -hmm. And I said to them, you cannot put my Upper West Side home office in for battered women to call. Um, so let me figure something out. And I put the phone down. And this is my, the reason I mentioned this in the book is because right at that moment, I heard a very loud voice saying, call the White House, call the White House. And I looked around in my apartment and I'm like, who's talking to me? I realized, oh my God, I must be losing my mind because <laughs> who's going to just call the White House? So anyway, I, the next day, cause it was late in the day that this happened. I thought, well, you know what, what do I have to lose? I'm going to call the White House. I called the White House and miraculously, I get a meeting with Mrs. Bush, the white haired Mrs. Bush <laughs> and, and her staff to tell them that we need a federally funded toll-free domestic violence hotline. Shouldn't be up to a corporation like J&J &J to do it. And since I was flying to DC on my own dime, I also met with Senator Biden's office, Senator Dan Coats, uh, Congresswoman Connie Morella, and a couple others to tell them the same thing. We need it to be federally funded. So they said, look, we're going to put in what's called a concurrent resolution to get the ball rolling, to get a federally funded hotline. Great. So fast forward about a year and a half later, I'm in New York City, Midtown. I'm at the Hilton Hotel at a luncheon of women honoring other great women. And Jane Pauley's in that side. And I see other famous women. And Tipper Gore, uh, because the Clintons were in office now, was at the podium in this darkened ballroom bathed in light. And she says, and I'm proud to announce today that we're the first administration to fund a federally funded toll-free domestic violence hotline. And I sat in the darkness and I just had goosebumps all over because I realized kind of that I'd been utilized, as it were, I call it drafted yeah. to uh, to do something that helps people using my you know PR skills. Yeah. So I only meant and then, yes, it's now celebrating its 21st anniversary, still the same number, 1-800-333-SAFE, but it's out of Texas now and it's federally funded. So I, I put that experience in the book. Yeah, and it, this brings up an important theme that I that I picked up on throughout the book, and one of the one of the phrases you used to describe what happened with that divinely guided PR campaign was, 
It was like every door magically opened for me. And what I heard from a lot of the intuitives who you interviewed was that when we follow our own soul or higher self's guidance, the guidance of the divine, that's when the doors and the windows open uh, and your life gets a little bit more, it's easier, more harmonious. Like you are just in the flow of where the divine is sending you. And I just thought that was such, it was such a perfect example because as you discovered the Johnson and Johnson have been paying big bucks for several years to this other firm and you get on there because you were guided to do it and you get all the biggest publications and it ends up becoming the first federally funded national hotline. I just, did you find, did you come across that a lot that when in talking to these folks or your own experiences that when we get in that flow of the divine guidance, listening to the inner voice, it just, the things magically happen. You know, Sonny, um, I could have published this book a couple of years ago if I, through ego, forcefully wanted it to happen. Uh, and I, I totally believe in divine timing and divine guidance because um, they're very powerful. And, and also, yes, doors can open beautifully. You are in that flow. I want to tell people that we're getting inspirations all the time. If we get those occasional gut feelings and hunches and those types of things, so we know it's there and we would do well to pay attention to that. But every every day, I, I'm i now aware of it. I kind of have this muscle now where I know if it's coming from them. And we, we would do well to listen to it. Our careers would be better. Our family lives would be better. Just everything is better because they're very wise and they love us so much. Mm -hmm. And they're rooting for us. And it's it's there. And the fact that, unfortunately, due to stereotypes for years, it was kind of put down as woo-woo, right, uh, mm -hmm. has a, made us avoid just listening to this inner voice. And again, it's not a spooky. That voice that spoke to me, that was unusual. Normally, I don't get voices. I get like a thought. Mm -hmm. And maybe they get me in the shower or when I'm waking up in the morning or whatever, I'm not a great meditator. I want people out there to know I have great respect for people who can meditate for hours and do all that. Um, I'm a white knuckler. So for me, it was challenging. <laughs> and I, I think that I want people to know that anyone can access that. It's just a matter of knowing and believing. Well, there's a, one thing many people can't do. If you really have to take your ego down a couple pegs, be humble and listen. If you're so full of ego that you think every thought that comes in your mind is up because you're so brilliant, you're kind of missing the point. Um, it's time to kind of, let me explain it this way. I have my colleagues on this plane. All the people in my book are colleagues. My agent's a colleague, you know, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And then I have my colleagues on that plane. I call mm -hmm. them the powers that be. Mm -hmm. And I'm human, so I don't see them. But I think it's probably a combination of angels and guides, God, my higher, you know, self, whatever, maybe deceased loved ones. I'm not sure, but I know a couple of things. They're smarter than me. They're wise. <laughs> and, and, and frankly, it, it would do well to listen to them. But for example, if you saw my book, um, this is audio, so people can't see it, but it's a simple white book with a gold bow across like a gift. Uh, it says the gift within us. I got both the image of the bow and the name of the book from my, my guides, from mm -hmm. the powers that be. I didn't want to do anything that looked new agey with like a cosmos or anything, mm -hmm. because again, that falls into that old fashioned stereotype, that tired old stereotype of it's got to be scary or spooky, you know, or serious. <laughs> the, the powers that be have a great sense of humor. They're, they're very funny. And it's all about love and light. I mean, 
these things about hauntings and all that, that's the old days. We, we've got to move on from that so more people understand that we have these great colleagues on another plane that are constantly feeding us amazing um, inspirations in, no matter what field you're in, no matter what you're doing. Like when all of us are like looking to move to another state or take another job, don't you for a moment just naturally get quiet and just kind of listen for a second because it's a big decision. I think yeah. a lot of us kind of go there. We need to just understand that that's available to us on a kind of regular basis. And you may want to get something done tomorrow and go this way with your rational mind, but your intuitive mind is telling you to go in an opposite direction. Honestly, it's best if you kind of learn to listen to that more and your life might flow a little more easily. Yeah. And I, I know we're right about time for break, but I, I have to back up and ask you something because you said you could have published this book through, I, however you said it, like white knuckle, the egoic attachment to getting it out there when your human self wanted it. But it sounds like there was another couple of years. Do you mind sharing? How did you know to wait? Because maybe there are people out there listening who have a dream and they, you know, the human wants it to happen now. But if they were to wait, maybe like you did, they would have a better experience with it. How did you know? Well, it's not so much that I knew, but my former agent, lovely though she was, um, just wasn't selling it. And she wasn't selling anyone's book because she had a lot of personal health and personal problems. Mm. So I, but she was very, very instrumental in helping me finish the book, guiding me. So I'm very grateful to her. But we parted ways in um, last year in 2019. And I immediately, once again, found my new agent right away. Doors opened. Uh, somebody I knew called me and, and recommended this gentleman I'm with now, Bill. And, um, you know, he got it done. It was, and then it's starting to come out on late March, the height of the pandemic. And <laughs> my inlet, my, my PR mind said, oh my God, no one's going to talk to you on the media. They're, they're all going to talk about the virus. But my guide said, no, it's the perfect time to put it out. And yeah. they were right. Because it was named number one new release on Amazon um, in the spiritual self-help category for weeks uh, since it came out, which I find amazing. So. Yeah, because I mean, you know, you, that's a that's a for people who have put books out and you know how Amazon does their you know bestseller rankings, and there are so many you know, like minute little topics. Like yours came out in one of the big dog topics, which is pretty cool. I mean, clearly it was meant to reach the hands of a lot of people because in a time when everything around us is in a sense crumbling and uncertain, the one thing that is certain is our connection to the divine and being able to hear that guidance. That will never go anywhere. That is the, to me, the, the, the tether that we can hold on to as humans when everything on the physical plane seems to be coming apart at the seams. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I would love to say I'm so bright that I knew it was coming out at this time. No, the doors were not opening, um, or with my other agent. So you know what? I, I was just super patient yeah. and I knew that it was when it was going to come out, it was meant to come out. I had to be patient and just wait. And it, it did happen. And frankly, I was ready for it to not happen, but, you know, and Frank, a couple of times I turned and I said, you know what, I'm not going to do this. It's a lot of work. Well, they wouldn't let me go. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad they didn't. And I'm glad you listened because here we are in this, um, 
yeah, this was a really fun book to read um, for a variety of reasons. But we will continue the conversation on that when we return from our break. You are listening to Sunny in Seattle. I am your host, Sunny Joy. I am joined today by PR professional and intuition advocate, Mary Ann Borer. Uh, the website to go to is maryannborer.com. That's M-A-R-Y-A-N-N-B-O-H-R-E-R. And the book that we're discussing here today is The Gift Within Us. We'll be back in just a few. The preceding audio was via a Skype call. Hey, Sunny and Seattle friends. If you've been listening to the show for a while, you know that the greatest gifts and synchronicities of my life happened when I started listening to the voice of my soul and let it take the lead. But in a crazy culture and a chaotic world, it can often be difficult to hear that soul voice. And we forget just how powerful that spiritual being inside you really is, which is why I created Soul Digger, a membership community for women and those who identify as women who want to live a soul-driven life. We meet virtually to learn, connect, share, grow, and inspire one another on our spiritual journey. Find out more at my website, goldenoversoul.com. That's goldenoversoul.com. And click on the tab that says, Work With Me. So come get shamelessly spiritual with us in the Soul Digger community, where we mine the true gold that comes from your soul. Five things you need to know about measles in 30 seconds. The vaccine was developed in 1963, and measles became rare in the U.S. But low vaccination rates are now causing outbreaks that may put you at risk. Measles is highly contagious and spreads easily when an infected person breathes or coughs. Measles can have serious complications and can be deadly. It's also easy to prevent with a vaccine that's safe and effective. Please make sure you and your loved ones are vaccinated. Learn more at nfid.org measles. Sunny in Seattle, radio that positively shines. I'm Dr. Anthony Lazowitz, and this is Climate Connections. Hunting may seem like an unexpected pastime for Iowa resident Rachel Vanderwerf. I did not grow up hunting. I was not at all involved in the hunting world. An environmental consultant, she was vegan for a while because of animal welfare and sustainability concerns. But Vanderwerf missed eating meat. So to obtain it in a way she feels is ethical, she decided to try hunting. And after her first deer hunt, she was hooked. Really, that was the first time that I felt like I was part of nature and part of the food system. As she's gotten more involved, she's realized that hunting can inspire people to protect wildlife habitat. She says hunters often lead land conservation efforts in her state. Iowa has lost 99% of its native prairie and wetlands. It's really important to conserve what we have left. So today, Vanderwerf leads a group called Edible Outdoors. It offers classes on hunting, fishing, and foraging. She hopes these practices help people feel more connected to nature. The more people are out enjoying our land, the more likely that they're going to be invested in wanting it to be conserved. Climate Connections is produced by the Yale Center for Environmental Communication. To hear more stories like this, visit climateconnections.org. Wondering what's on next on Alternative Talk 1150? Check out 1150kknw.com. Welcome back to Sunny in Seattle. I'm your host, Sunny Joy. I am joined today by Mary Ann Borer, who is a PR professional as well as an intuition advocate who has recently released a new book, The Gift Within Us, and it features 
Um, gosh, it's got everything. Some of the science behind intuition, um, some of the history of intuitives and how they've been treated, both bad and good. Some of the visionaries who were ridiculed that now we accept their findings and their discoveries as commonplace, like the, the, the sun being the center of the universe and not the earth or germ theory. All of these things were seen as crazy at one time, and now it would be crazy not to believe in them. Um, so in 33 Gifted Intuitives, she interviewed about their stories and some of the messages that they have, as well as Marianne's own personal stories of uh, mysticism and some of her um, uh, reaching through the other side of the veil, so to speak. So it's, it is a fantastic book. Um, it is called The Gift Within Us, and I think it is a great book for anyone who is, um, it, I think it could, to me, it is um, not only accessible for skeptics, but also very validating and inspiring for those of us who this is the language we already speak. So, um, Marianne, I've got many more questions. Let's see. Um, one of the things we were talking about over the break that I'd love to touch on, you mentioned in the book a Pew Research Center study about the number of Americans who feel a deep sense of wonder about the universe has increased dramatically in the past several years. And then um, also one of the intuitives you interviewed said she feels like the veil of consciousness is much thinner today. And we're talking about just having this conversation, uh, the story you share about Einstein that you experienced at the back of the book. Um, I thought that was a great way to end the book, by the way. Um, but um, all of these things are becoming more commonplace, more mainstream. It's popping up everywhere. I'm curious what your thoughts are, because you've talked to all of these people, about the scientists, the intuitives, and everything in between. Where do you feel like all of this fits into a broader you know, awakening of consciousness or transformation, evolution of the human species? Well, I've been told, as we were discussing in the break, by many of my gifted friends that there would be a huge change that would raise human consciousness in 2020. Uh, we didn't know what it was. We thought maybe it was a, I don't know, a war or a market crash or we didn't know. So now we have the virus and we know, and, and the virus has been a horrible thing for so many people who've been affected by it. On the other hand, though, it has really forced everybody inward. Uh, like we were mentioning, churches are closed, businesses are closed, you, you're with your family more. Um, just our whole way of communicating has been turned on its side. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that there's a, a positive awareness raising that's coming from that. Um, and really we need it because as you know, with global warming and other problems left to our own devices, we haven't really been solving them. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there's a lot of people think that a lot of young people are light workers that are being born in this world. A lot of people like myself and yourself and others that are have these messages to share with others are helping to raise awareness. Certainly the virus just forced us into that place. And it's kind of very timely because we were just dawdling along and uh, it wasn't happening. So we were kind of like, sit down, have your time out, <laughs> listen, and, and not in a mean way, but you know, seriously, it, it, you cannot mess with, with mother nature and the powers that be. We are being taught a lesson and we're, we're learning that there's way more at our fingertips resource-wise, spiritually, than we thought was available. Um, regarding the um, Pew Research, they found that the fastest, not just in the U.S., but the fastest growing category of people are what I identify as spiritual but not religious. Yes. They've turned away from traditional religion for whatever reason, maybe the sex abuse scandals, et cetera. 
but they're still yearning for spiritual connection. That is the hugest number. It's growing exponentially. So my book is kind of to tell those people and also very informed people that are listening right now to your show. This is available to you. It's right at your fingertips. You don't have to do a lot of things that are wonderful, like holding crystals or focusing on your chakras. I mean, I say if I had to do that, I, I could never have written this book. Again, wonderful practices, but a lot of people are just too impatient or they don't understand. It's right there. And I, I want to give you an analogy that my guides gave me to give um, about how easy this is. Do you remember the Wizard of Oz movie? Yeah. You remember, it felt like a 10-hour movie when I was a child. I was like, whoa, <laughs> right? what's what's going on now? Well, Dorothy, she goes through the flying monkeys, she the poppies, she falls asleep, and everything befalls her. And they finally get to Oz. And the wizard, unfortunately, can't get her back to Kansas. So beautiful Glinda comes down in her bubble and says, but Dorothy, you've always had the power to go back to Kansas. And I was like, they, they, I was waking up one morning and they said, write that down. It's in the afterword in my book. But I'm like, it makes perfect sense because it really is right at our fingertips. Um, the, the only thing that's standing in the way is our own fear that we're not worthy, uh, our our ego that gets in the way of being able to listen and just a few other basic things. But I have six simple steps in my book on how to access your inner voice. And there's more than simple, you know, yeah. trust your gut. I mean, they're super simple. It's not all these steps that you have to do to get there. We, we have it already. We, we just need to understand as I will, if you don't mind, I, we were talking about my archbishop, uh, yeah. father, Harry J. Flynn, who's in my book, um, who I interviewed and I'll mention more about that. But at the back of my book, when I interviewed Father, uh, let me just back up. Father Flynn was our family priest. My dad converted using Father Flynn as his guide to from Methodist to Catholicism when I was about six. Father Flynn remained a family friend for years, and we'd visit him. He moved to Maryland, and then he moved to New Orleans, became a bishop, then an archbishop. So I'd lost touch with him since my parents died, and uh, it's been 20 years. And so I called him a couple of years ago, and I thought, I'm going to ask him about this book. Is he going to say that it's the work of the devil? I, I didn't know what to expect. And he said, Marianne, to the contrary, Jesus had these abilities. Saints had these abilities. He couldn't have been more uh, wonderful about this. And he's in my first chapter, uh, The New Spirituality, but there's a blurb on the back of the book where I quote Archbishop Flynn. I'm just going to read two sentences. It says, this direct connection has always been available to all of us. Some receive this guidance through prayer, some through meditation, and others by simply listening to their inner voice. We all have access to divine wisdom. It's just a matter of knowing and trusting that we are loved and worthy of receiving that guidance. Mm. I mean, loved and worthy. Okay, A lot of us, like the other analogy they gave me, you know, when you have a, a phone in your hand and you're talking into it, well, when I was raised Catholic, it's like praying. You're kind of like like talking in that phone thinking, are they hearing me? Do they mm -hmm. care? Mm -hmm. Is someone going to answer? But what they don't understand is what I was told or the message I was given, that they've got a receiver in their hand too. And yeah. they want to connect with us. They're yearning to have that connection. So yes, we are worthy. Yes, they are listening. And yes, they can help. The one caveat is sometimes there are times in life when we are meant to struggle like with my book, there were moments where I was like, when is it ever going to be published? Um, and, and I didn't immediately have answers during those, what my Archbishop Flynn called the desert of the soul. So I just said, okay, I'm like, when your kid skins their knee, 
you're meant to kind of your soul is meant to learn and grow from these experiences it's life is like school as you probably know so you go through those periods but then in my experience generally more often than not by far if i ask for help about something or direction the answers do come and i think people just don't feel that they're worthy to do that but uh they would be wrong because my our powers that be they're they're waiting to help us so it's it's like a wonderful collaboration when you work in an office you have a team that you work with and i say that we have that team uh, on the other plane um and i said the only difference is that with them there's no office politics i mean nobody's (laughs) nobody's gunning for you nobody's stabbing you in the back i mean they're on your side and they're very smart and they're very funny and people would be wise to kind of just tune in Absolutely. And one of the things that I have heard from many of my guests is a reminder that um, we live on a planet of free will and they're not going to be intrusive. So make sure you're asking if you think they're just going to drop out of nowhere. I mean, maybe they will. I've I've heard stories of that. But I think on a conscious level, it's always nice to just ask to make sure you've opened the door so they can come through anytime. So, um, Marianne, I am curious because there were, of course, 33 stories here. Um, and I picked out a few that were, I thought, particularly um, that, that some quotes from ones that really stood out to me. But I'm curious. I know it probably is hard to choose. Um, I can't even imagine how you narrowed it down to the 33 people that you ended up with. But what were some of the stories that stood out to you the most or the ones that were the most meaningful? Well, all of them are meaningful. Again, I was struck by how many of the people struggled. I, I didn't realize um, they didn't just choose to hang out a shingle. They had to learn the language of dealing with their guides. Everybody mm-hmm. speaks to them differently, as you're probably aware. But um, I would say that, well, Paul Asdig, he's in Australia. He was mm-hmm. in New York City, but he's from Australia. His dad was dying, so he's back there now. And he told me that as a young child, his mother was also psychic, but he would be in a supermarket with his mom at the age of like six. And his yeah. guides would say, go over to that lady and tell her that it's not right that her husband beats her up and that she should leave him. So he'd totter over to some strange lady in the <laughs> supermarket and say, I'm sorry, ma'am, but you shouldn't let your husband hit you like that. It's not good. So the woman would go over to Paul's mother and say, well, how does your son know this? And, uh, you know, he was just kind of innocent. He just got these, you've got to help that lady with his guys would say. So his mother had to put him in the shopping cart, you know, just to keep him from wandering off. So, but, but he's, he's an interesting, yeah. Um, a lot of the people, there's people like, um, well, Suzanne Giesman, we talked about, who was on mm-hmm. your show, who was a Naval commander. Uh, she was on Air Force One. She was worked with the president and very high level people for years until she was in her mid to late forties. And I guess um, she was retiring and her husband, their stepdaughter who was pregnant at the time got hit by lightning and died. And as a result of that, she just got flooded with all this mediumship ability and now has a radio show, has written books and she helps many, many people. But she had no clue that she had any of this ability throughout almost all of her life. Right, which I think is very encouraging for um, folks out there because I think there, I have heard the perception before that, oh, you are gifted with this and you have been experiencing it since you were little or else it's probably not accessible to you. And Suzanne really turns that old idea on its head. And for those out there listening, if you want to catch the 
um, that interview in the archive, she was on in February of 2020. Very interesting interview, I think. One of my favorite guests that I've spoken with. Um, yeah, so Suzanne is a great, she was a fun story. Um, it, any, I didn't mean to jump in there and interrupt you, but any other ones you wanted to share? Um, well, I, I have to say that there's some people that are psychic, some are mediums and some are both. Mm -hmm. And one lady that I found really interesting, Virginia Centrillo, Mm -hmm. She's a medium and, you know, she for free will go into what other people call haunted houses. She works with a group called the Pennsylvania Paranormal Society, in addition to doing readings. And for free, they'll go into houses and kind of release these trapped souls. They're not there to do mischief. They, they just are stuck. Mm -hmm. So it amazes me she does it for free. But I, I give an example of she did when I interview somebody, I do two interviews. I get a reading the first time where I tape it and I just let them talk to me and tell me whatever, you know, they want to tell me. And they're all extremely gifted. So every reading is amazing. Then the next time I talk to them, I interview them about their own lives, what they've learned and what they want to impart with other people, which is what you said, Sonny, at the end of each person's chapter, these amazing pearls of wisdoms come out. But when my reading started with Virginia and she doesn't know me, she knows a mutual friend, but she starts in and she says, Marianne, you live in a house uh, with two giant trees in front of it, which I have two sycamore trees. She said, and an old couple lived there before you, right? And I said, yes. And she said their names were Bernice, which I thought, who has the name Bernice? She was absolutely right, Bernice. And she says, and Adolf. Well, right then I said to myself, uh, no, no, no. And I said to her, no, his name wasn't Adolf. She says, yes, it was Adolf. <laughs> so everybody on my street knew Mickey and Bernice, Mickey and Bernice, so I just let the reading go on because if somebody says something that doesn't make sense to me, I, I don't discount it. I just let it flow. After the reading was over, which she was incredibly accurate about everything, I go on my computer and I type in the street address of my home and I look up previous owners and it says Adolf and Bernice Markovsky. Mm. It turns out he was Jewish and he hated his given name and he went by Mickey and I don't think even his daughter knew his given name was Adolf. Wow. So the fact that she could pick that up um, amazes me. But, you know, as far as other inspirational stories, I mean, there's so many, it's hard to, to choose, really. I agree. And one of the things that I neglected to mention earlier in this interview that I think is absolutely one of the best things that you have done with this book is of the 33 intuitives that you have shared their stories, you have also provided at the end of the book a contact list so many of the books or the people that I interview reference these amazing psychics or mediums, and then you have no way of really knowing sometimes whether they're still alive or what, where they are. And so for those out there, this is a fantastic, if you're looking for a reading of some sort, this is a great book to start with or to end with, quite frankly, because you've got all the names you could possibly need for animal communication, mediumship, and and medical intuition, all of it and everything in between. So I think that is that was just such a great idea to include that, Marianne. Yeah, I, I have to say that that was at first one of the aims of the book. Many people tell me, how do I find a highly gifted, high integrity psychic? It's extremely hard. Um, you can ask at your new age bookstore. They may know people locally, whatever. But there's a lot of well-meaning but kind of more mediocre people that do readings. Yeah. And they're picking up on your hopes and dreams, your fears. And oftentimes 
the reading won't pan out because they're really picking up your aura. These really gifted people are going straight to the source. So you're not always going to hear what you think you're going to hear. And they're usually incredibly accurate. But yes, I wanted people to be able to reach them. So we have websites, email addresses, phone numbers for everybody in the book, and you can connect with them. Most of them, they're not famous. And I chose non-famous people uh, for a reason. I mean, Suzanne Giesman, for example, is very well known, um, not maybe nationally famous, but um, you can reach her and you can reach most of these people and get a reading probably within, you know, a couple of weeks. Yeah, which is just incredible. Um, and and if you're just tuning in um, and you're like, I want the contact list, we're talking <laughs> about the book, The Gift Within Us by Mary Ann Borer, B-O-H-R-E-R. Um, and I notice we're, we're, we've still got plenty of time, Marianne, but I can't end the show without us talking about the Einstein story. If you don't mind sharing that, or if you want that to be kind of a teaser for, you know, reading the book, absolutely. But man, that was just like, whoa, <laughs> that's pretty cool. No, I'll, I'll say it and I'll try to do a very abridged version because it, it could be a long story, but I'll just say it quickly. I'm, I'm writing the book in 2016, February, very cold winter day. And I'm um, in my office and I'm typing up a, a chapter about great minds throughout history who embraced intuition, like Carl Jung and some other very famous, well-known people that really cared about intuition. Um, not many, but there were several. So my husband, who's very supportive, but not really involved in my book, he's upstairs in his home office and he's usually downloading music and stuff on a Saturday, whatever. He calls me upstairs. He said, Marianne, Marianne, come upstairs quick. I have something to show you. So that was extremely unusual. So I run upstairs and on his computer is our quotes from Albert Einstein about intuition, which were very positive. And I had absolutely no clue that Einstein in any way was involved with intuition or interested in it. So I said to my husband, wow, this is great. But I said, why are you looking up these quotes and calling me? He said, I don't know. I just suddenly remembered I'd seen these quotes and they would help you with your book. Mm. Well, a thousand percent, that just doesn't happen. So I was grateful, but I went downstairs and I'm Googling Einstein and intuition and up comes a story from the New Republic, which is a magazine that still exists from 1932. Einstein was a celebrity at this time and he was vacationing in Palm Springs. And apparently um, he met a, a psychic that he had to share a limo with a young woman named Jean Dennis. He shared the limo and she gave him an impromptu reading. And he said, I have to read the actual thing, but he said that he was absolutely amazed how gifted she was. And I want to just read the, the quote. He says, um, she told me things no one could possibly know, things on which I have been working. And she demonstrated to me that she has a power to do things I cannot at this time explain. Now, I must tell some of my associates about this. It was miraculous indeed. And this journalist at the uh, New Republic quotes the psychic uh, as saying, Dr. Einstein is indeed the most remarkable person I've ever contacted, and his aura is just sublime, pure blue electric sparks instead mm. of color. It was just like talking to God. Mm. So the reason I mention this is that the, the, the Grattan is the name of the guy, C. Hartley Grattan, goes on to say, wonderful, wonderful. And so the scientific method goes crashing to the ground, and the world's <laughs> greatest relativist becomes an endorser of a, quote, psychic vaudeville act. So he's putting down uh, wonderful Einstein, 
who's so brilliant and has the guts to come out and say something positive about a psychic reading he's never experienced before. So anyway, I'm thrilled. I go to dinner with my husband and my daughter at our favorite little hamburger place. Then we drop her at a sleepover, come home, go to bed. And, you know, I get up at like four in the morning again, still researching this chapter. And I finally go back to bed about 730. Can't really sleep. Get up at about quarter after eight. It's, it's Sunday morning, February 14th. And I'm going to take a shower. So I go into my home office to quickly check my emails before I jump in the shower. I'm basically wearing hardly anything. And the phone rings and I grab it because I'm thinking, is my daughter having problems at her sleepover? Who could be calling me on a Sunday morning? It's a woman I've never spoken to before. And she says, good morning, Marianne. I was doing my morning meditation and prayers and I was directed to call you and wish you a happy Valentine's Day by Albert Einstein. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I was just in shock. So I said, um, excuse me. Uh, so she said, no, she starts talking and I'm taking notes. Unfortunately, I had a tape recorder next to me, which I eventually turn on because I had to record this. But she says, he says that you're a vessel of truth and that you've included the right people in this project. Um, and that you're going to help so many people in a good way and that it's and that you've been led to the right people. Um, and she says, and you recently parted ways with someone who wouldn't have been good for this project. And it's another story. But two weeks before a friend of a psychic friend of mine from 20 years and I broke up, she was jealous of the other people in the book. So I won't go into that. But she, he knew I'd had this parting of ways with someone. And so she starts talking more. And I said, listen, stop. I said, what is your name? And she says, Edna. And I remember that somebody referred to a psychic name, something with an E name to me. So I Google, I look at that and, oh no, it was Aaron, not Edna. I said, what's your last name? She says, Randall. So I Google Edna Randall and a story from the New York Times comes up from 2003 about mediums. They interview Edna Randall, who's a medium, I guess, and John Edward and others. So I said, okay, well, do you know my name? And she says, no, but I know that one of your names is like my mom's name, Anne. I said, do you know what I'm working on? And she says, no, I'm sorry, I do not. And this is the thing, Sonny, that I said, but how did you get my phone number? Now it's my unlisted. <laughs> it's, it's unlisted and it's not even in my name. It's in my husband's name and his last name isn't my name. It's it's another name. So there's no way to get my phone number. So she and we've said, got well, just about a minute left, Marianne, just FYI. Any, anyway, she says, well, he directed, he gave it to me when he was giving me the message that I was to give to you. So he dictated it. And I'll just say the first sentence of the message he gave to me. So she lowers her voice. She says, Madame. I am still focused on the agenda of bringing humankind to the highest, best good. And I'll say it is about not destruction, but elevation of the illumination of consciousness. So Einstein is still on the case of yeah. helping us as human beings. Can you believe that? Oh, yeah. The part, yeah, the, I have, and I know you even asked Dean Radin, one of the scientists in the book about this, and the fact that she was given a full phone number, a full unlisted phone number. <laughs> like, oh, that just blew my mind. And I do have to say, I know we're about to be at the end of the show. I often get little guests outside my office window now that I'm broadcasting from home, and I don't know who this is for, but there has been a, an, I've never seen one of these, a full orange dragonfly perched right outside my window the entire time. So whoever that's for, um, it's just to do a quick housekeeping wrap up. 
Um, I have been speaking with PR professional and intuition advocate, Mary Ann Borer. The website is maryannborer.com, and that's last name is spelled B-O-H-R-E-R.com. And the book is The Gift Within Us. Mary Ann, thanks for having been here. I know we need to wrap up. <laughs> okay, the book's available on Amazon. Thank you, Sunny. I look forward to talking to you again. Thank you, and thank you everyone for listening. This is Sunny in Seattle signing off.